Hey everyone, welcome to Superwomen. I'm Rebecca, and today's guest is Courtney, the founder of Cake by Courtney, who is a self-taught baker obsessed with cake. She didn't bake her first cake from scratch until she was 26, when her son turned one, and it tasted delicious, did not look delicious, but she was hooked. So we're going to get into the last nine years of business all the things that happen, not only with a career, but also she's a mother and um, I'm excited to dive in. So welcome. Hi, so great to be with you. Yes. Um, I love cake. Um, sadly, <laughs> mostly gluten-free cake, uh, which doesn't ever taste quite as good as the real thing. But I was excited when I was introduced to you because I think that not only do you have an incredible story, but you also make so many people happy with what you do. So thank you for joining me. Thanks. I really appreciate that. And I want to say about gluten-free cakes, because I totally understand (laughs) that they haven't always tasted great. You've got to try the right, I think it's the right kind of flour, like making your own cake and using something like cup for cup or Bob's Red Mill one for one gluten-free can be a game changer. Ooh, I know Bob's Red Mill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got, there is a great one. Um, that he makes that's one one for one baking gluten-free flour that I think is really, because I tested so many for my followers so that we could come up with a cake that tasted just like a cake with regular flour. And I think those two gluten-free flours specifically are the best. Good to know. I've written that down so that when I go to make yet another birthday cake, which I have coming up in a month for my son, I don't fail miserably. Okay. Well, you'll have to let me know what you think. (laughs) So tell me, you know, you have a journalism degree, never a cooking or baking or whatever. You didn't go to culinary school. So what, tell me about how you even had the thought, okay, this is something I want to do. You know, it did. It kind of just came out of the blue. I always loved baking and learning from my mom in the kitchen. It was always a happy place in my home, whether we were making a meal together or just putting together Rice Krispie treats or chocolate chip cookies or, you know, just gathering after school and talking about the day. The kitchen always has been a meaningful place to me. But my background, like you said, is in journalism. And I got done with a broadcast journalism degree and I got into media consulting right away. I fell in love with it. We did all the behind the scenes stuff. So before a television show went on the air, I was out somewhere in the country testing it with consumers and viewers and getting their feedback. Did they love the characters? What did we need to change? And worked with different networks um, from ABC to Oprah's network to Martha Stewart and just had a blast. And I was traveling the country for, you know, up until 2019 doing that actually. And in those early years, I just got married We had left school. We were living down in Santa Monica at the time. And I was working and my husband and I were both in different types of consulting. So we were traveling a ton. And I feel like the food scene really started to pick up, especially in the Los Angeles area. And I was loving it. And going to meals in New York City or Chicago, St. Louis, Dallas, while I was traveling, just kind of like sparked this foodie a feeling in me where I was just really starting to learn about textures and flavors and really thought it was exciting, the foodie scene. So combine that with then I'm, you know, uh, about to celebrate my son's first birthday and I wanted to do something special for him. I thought a homemade cake would be something very special. 
And, you know, truth be told, my in-laws are really good cooks and still being new in the rich family, I wanted to impress them as well. So I had kind of all these just little, I don't know, little things igniting the fire inside me to, to get into the kitchen. And so I grabbed a Bon Appetit magazine and found a recipe that sounded yummy, which was a peanut butter cake and chocolate frosting. And I just went for it. I had no tools. I had no culinary experience except, you know, the hard knocks of my own kitchen. And, uh, you know, like you said, it did not look appetizing. It was kind of poofy. It was round and just, I did the best I could. And I served it that day with a huge homemade cake topper. Uh, that was the letter W and we sang happy birthday and I got to serve it to all our friends and family that were there celebrating with us and they liked it and I liked it and I loved the process. And that day ended and I just, my heart was so full of the love that we had just from our family for Weston, but my heart was full from this whole experience of trying something totally new and loving the process of it, even though it wasn't perfect. It didn't look like the picture in Bon Appetit magazine. And it was something totally different than what I was doing, you know, being a wife and a friend and a mother and, and working and consulting. It was all of a sudden I had like this new little hobby that was just mine, but I could also share with the people around me and that I loved. And so after that first birthday cake for Weston, which was, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> like 11 and a half years ago, he's almost, he'll be 13 later this year. I looked for every excuse I could get into the, you know, to get to into the kitchen and and try a new cake. And I just started teaching myself through trial and error. And that was kind of the like start of the cakes. And I mean, I didn't even start my blog until six years after that, but I just loved having that moment in the kitchen when he was napping and I was done with the project and I just had some time I could go bake and be creative and experiment. So I have so many questions on the heels <laughs> of that. Have you ever, I mean, I guess it's weird to say like felt burnt out, but do you do you feel the same way many years later? Like, are you just like, ugh, I got to bake another thing? Or, you know, like I watch these chef shows and you see what they eat when they go home. Yeah. <laughs> and they're literally like opening up a box of Kraft mac and cheese because they're like, I just can't. <laughs> you know, there are moments when I have to step back and take a breather just from the amount of work and I think expectations I have my, for myself. And I think most women can probably relate to that at some level where, you know, I feel like, okay, I'm just barely keeping my head above water, but I always want this to be something that I feel passionate about. And so I've never truly felt like, I don't think I can do this anymore. or I don't want to do this anymore. I've never gotten sick of cake. There have just been times where I've said to myself, okay, slow down. You don't have to do quite as much in one day or one week as you think you do. And, you know, it's been interesting to kind of try that out over the years, you know, oh gosh, well, followers um, get bored or will they forget about me if they don't see a cake for a day or two, or they're not seeing a brand new recipe in over a week. And it's been just good for my own like mental health to just scale back sometimes and then go full throttle at other times when I'm really feeling it. Um, but the passion's always been there. And I think because the passion is more than just the baking. The passion also stems from just the feeling I get when I'm in the kitchen and that feeling of joy and peace and happiness and creativity um, and excitement is something I want to share with people just as much as I want to share the recipes. Um, you know, so that's really never faded. And I hope that it, it never does because it's so important to me. 
Totally. So I think there's a lot of people out there that they have one experience. They say, okay, now I know it. I found my passion. Now I want to go do it. I'd love for you to get sort of nitty gritty with me on the details. Like first you started the blog and then how did you expand and what were some of the more messed up things that happened along the way um, that made you go, oh, I didn't know that was possible. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely plenty of failures and bumps and hurdles. Uh, Yeah. The first thing I did was start a blog to share the recipes. Um, You know, when I made that first cake, 11 and a half years ago, that wasn't the intention. I mean, I just wanted to just have fun. And I loved the hobby and I loved it so much. It turned into a passion. And as I started to create my own recipes, you know, friends and family were saying, well, have you thought about sharing these and you could do a blog? And I thought, well, okay, I've had a family blog. I, I know how to start one of those. And so I did, I, I launched Cake by Courtney on Blogspot and just started sharing the recipes with friends and family. And I started an Instagram at that point too for Cake by Courtney and just started sharing the passion that I felt for baking and being in the kitchen. And um, it took a little while, I think, for it to catch on, right? Like that first year was just all about growth and proving myself um, to people who are following me and trying my recipes. I wanted them to know that they could come to me for a tried and true chocolate cake, that I have tried two dozen chocolate cake recipes. And while none of them were perfect, I did create the one that I think is going to be your all-time favorite. And so there was just that like being super diligent on posting and being consistent with recipe testing and um, sharing all kind of the the ins and outs of what I was doing. And after that first year, I actually got, I wanted to share more in person. And I uh, I think that's something that I loved about doing focus groups was being in person with people and getting to know people. And I think there's just a way that you can relate to people in person more than you can over a screen. And so I started hosting cake classes in my home for, for my community. And I loved it. It was kind of my own little focus group. What do people want to know? Um, what are they most interested in learning about? And shortly after that, there is a culinary store up in Salt Lake City where I live now. And they invited me to come teach my first class. And it was so much fun. And it was just a great success that after that demo class with about 80 people watching, we decided to take it and do hands-on classes. And I think that was a big catalyst for the growth in that second year was that all of a sudden people, not only were they learning online, and I was sharing my tips and not just recipes, but here's what you can do and, and how you can do it so that you're making delicious cakes and they can look beautiful. Um, but they could come to class and we had people starting to travel from across the country to come to class in Salt Lake so that they could learn and have that hands-on experience. And so those first couple of years was just, I don't know, I feel like in a sense, you just, you're kind of proving yourself and like creating a relationship with followers and readers that they can just trust you, that they can just come to you like they would come to a friend and ask for like the best vanilla cake. Like you would ask your best friend, Hey, what's your favorite pair of jeans that you're wearing? You know? And after that, then it was, well, okay, this is, this is growing. It's catching on people like cake, you know, what more can I do? And so ideas started to just started to just go through my mind and in 2018, I had the idea to do a cake box subscription service. And we launched that. And it was one of the hardest things I did. 
we got in Oprah's magazine with her O list and it was just like a whirlwind. I kind of went into it fast. I just was so excited about the idea. And after about a year, I realized, okay, this isn't sustainable. And we actually, I just stopped it. Um, I still love the idea, but it was a, a huge learning experience. I'm kind of like, how much can I do still as a small business? What are people interested in? It was kind of testing the waters. It was taking a risk. And I loved that we did it. It was just one of kind of the hardest things. I did a whole podcast episode about why I stopped the cake boxes after that year because um, it was a, a huge learning experience for me. But we got into products and I started designing my own cake products and you know, really felt like, okay, I've tried all these different things over the years and none of them have quite worked out for me. And how can we even make them a little prettier? And so we did that too in 2019. Um, and I, I've loved how that's gone. So we're continuing with, with products and, you know, it's interesting. I know in your book, you talk about taking risks and and you have to, you kind of have to see what sticks and what works. And we've done that with products too. And, and you know, what, um, what maybe isn't people's favorite thing. (laughs) Well, I was, I guess my next question is you have the classes, you have the blog, you have your Instagram, you have your products. Like, how do you manage all that? And when things fall through the cracks, as they inevitably do for everybody who has a business or works in one, what do you do to mitigate that stress, that frustration, that like, oh, I can't believe this is happening? Yeah. I mean, I felt like when we were, that year we were doing the cake boxes and trying the subscription service. There was a lot of times things slipped through the cracks and it was a lot of stress because it was still like just a small team of us. And I was outsourcing design and I was outsourcing um, all the ingredients put together. And so there was a lot of things out of my control. And, and that at that point was one of the reasons why I ultimately decided to stop the cake boxes because I wanted to have a little bit more control, I guess. <laughs> I I felt like, okay, if the things out of my control are not working out, that's the first place I've got to stop and reevaluate what I'm doing um, because I can, I can only do so much. And so I thought, all right, I, we've got to stop. We ended up stopping them because, you know, the teams that I was working with, it just wasn't the right fit. And they weren't living up to the expectation that we needed and the agreements. and um, so that, that helps, you know, when you, you, you look and you evaluate your situation and everything that you're doing and decide, well, what are my highest priorities? You know, at that time too, I looked at my number of followers online and my, then my number of customers with the cake boxes. And while I was, you know, able to give 600 people cake boxes every month so that they could learn to make cake in an easier way, there were still hundreds of thousands of followers that maybe I wasn't meeting their needs. And so it was a great time for me to reevaluate and what were people coming to me for and how could I help them? Um, But I think another thing too, is we've got to have grace with ourselves and be kind to ourselves because it's so easy to say that I need to do 101 things in one day. And if this, you know, doesn't happen, then things are going to fall apart. But you learn through experience that that's not the case, that you can make mistakes Um, and you can work through them and it's going to be okay and take a deep breath. And so, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of those moments too. For sure. I think the deep breaths, the long walks, at least that's what I do when I get to my like breaking point, um, are definitely helpful. (laughs) 
So where do you see the future of what you do and what do you have, I guess, planned and in the works? Um, or do you, or do you go, you know what, I'm happy with what I've built and this is going to continue to exist, you know, and, and what you have is like, okay, good. This is what I can manage. Cause I do want to say, I see so many people and I'm guilty of this, of like, we have to be the next blah. You know, yeah. in 2009, we had this conversation of like, oh, look, Kate Spade's a billion dollars and Michael Kors worth a billion and we should be the next company. And we changed our priorities, frankly, in order to build a big company. And then when we said, oh, wait, just kidding, this isn't what we signed up for, it was a hard shift to make. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I, I know you're a list maker and, and you love to like check things off the, the list. And I do too. I love setting goals. I have super high expectations for myself and and what I do. And I feel like as creatives, we just can keep thinking of the next big thing and where else we want our businesses to go. And as I was doing the cake boxes and growing that side of the business and starting to do more PR and doing television appearances, I was like, okay, this can go so big and how fast can we do it? And I just like felt like the momentum was pushing me and I had a great tailwind And as the boxes didn't work out and I was still doing other things, I was like, okay, we still have so many products we can do. And maybe there's a television possibility. And then I even had some opportunities for television and for some shows. And then the pandemic hit and it was like kind of everything just went silent. And it was a great time for me to reevaluate where do I see myself in five years? What is my ultimate goal? And truly... I still want to be doing exactly what I'm doing. I want to be sharing delicious cake recipes. I want to be creating the recipes and designing the cakes and sharing that love with people. I still want to be a place on Instagram and my blog and YouTube and my podcast that is a place people just turn to so that they feel joy and that they feel happy that if they're having a hard day, they can come over to Cake by Courtney and just feel a little bit of of happiness that relieves them of a little bit of the stress that they may be feeling. And ultimately, I hope that continues as as long as possible. I am writing a cookbook, my first cookbook and self-publishing that, which has been an incredible journey to do. Um, Really hard. I know you know that feeling. It is is a labor of love, but I'm really excited to have that um, to share with people and, and just to have on my own. It really tells my story a story that, you know, started as a a hobby, became a passion and truly became kind of a saving grace for me as I've struggled with depression and anxiety since I was 19. This baking passion kind of crept in and filled a void I didn't really know I was missing and has been able to just give me strength in a lot of different ways over the years. And so I'm just so grateful that I've been able to, to share that journey through Instagram, but also in this book. And you know, we'll have more products and, and just hopefully growth in the, in the blog and, you know, maybe even an app. I'm working on some ideas there. So the ideas are endless, um, but I'm trying to remember kind of what I've learned in this last year that it doesn't need to be a sprint and, you know, it can take some time and good things usually do. I love that you say it doesn't need to be a sprint because I think, again, like I'll, I'll put down all my big grand ideas and I'm like, it all has to happen at once. And then w- what comes with that is this false expectation or high that we can do it all at once, that it's possible, that nothing else will suffer. And then you're like, why did I do that? Yeah. So I love that you say that. 
uh, and that, you know, you can write them all down on, put them on your vision board, but let's take one, one piece at a time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as the, you know, I write this newsletter, it's called, you can't make this shit up. If you could share a couple other moments of like, okay, my Instagram looks beautiful. My blog is perfect. The cakes are to die for, but what the hell is going on behind the scenes? I would love to know. Cause I think I like on this podcast to sort of rip off the gloss of how easy it all looks from all of us who are, are good at creating imagery. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, you know, too, as, as a working mom, it's always chaos behind the scenes. Like there is always a kid who needs help with something or is having drama or there's a meltdown and you're trying to get a cake out of the oven and make sure it doesn't burn. And then they want to come talk to you and, um, or they scrape their knees or teeth has fallen out from a scooter accident while you're trying to frost a cake. And I mean, I feel like for moms, those stories can be, can be endless. I remember when I was just launching my products and we did pre-orders for some products and I was up about to teach one of my cake classes. And I got a call that the shipment was like totally delayed. And this was even before you know, the COVID delays and it was stuck in customs and it wasn't going to be here when we needed to be. And we were going into the holidays and I'm in the back kitchen before class starts and I have all 16 of my students waiting. And I really try to make class very upbeat and exciting and fun and entertaining. And of course there's cake and, um, but I'm in the back getting this notice and, you know, such high expectations for myself. And when I wanted to deliver things and be on time and what I felt like I promised customers. And it was like my real first experience with, you know, having to ship things from overseas and and getting stuck in customs. And it was totally out of my control and there was nothing I could do. And we had been working so hard on some things and I just like totally broke down and I had 10 minutes before classes and I'm in tears and I had no idea what I was going to do except, you know, eventually email everyone and say, Hey, they're not going to be here on time. I'm so sorry. Um, and try to figure out a way to maintain, you know, good customer service and a good relationship with people. And I had about five minutes to wipe my eyes and go out there as if nothing had happened and that I was so excited to be in class. But at the back of my mind, I was just devastated that that had happened. So, I mean, that's definitely (laughs) one of those moments. The worst. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They happen and you, and you realize too, that after those moments happen, you work through them and it's, okay, I'm going to send the email out and I'm going to offer everyone a a discount on their next order. And I'm going to let them know, you know, Hey, we, we got stuck, stuck and we customs got in the way and shipping got in the way and we're so sorry. Um, but here's what happened. And I try to be super transparent if any of those things do happen and you realize people are okay. (laughs) You know, they'll get their cake scrapers or their tools, uh, a couple weeks late or right before Christmas or, you know, maybe a little after the holidays, but it's all okay. You know, you do learn and realize, you know, it's not the, the end of the world, even though it feels like it in the moment. I agree with you. It always feels like the end of the world in that moment. And then you get through it and you're like, oh, the world didn't end. Why, why didn't I, you know, and I tell yeah. myself that now when we're dealing with something and I'm like, okay, yeah. you, you know, yeah. 
uh, sometimes it works on me. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) well, thank you for sharing those. I I do love hearing that from women again, because so many people just see the perfect and the pretty and, and they don't know what you go through. And what you said reminded me of when, when we had, um, a new shipping logistics partner and a character, a Chinese character got stuck in the zip code in the wrong tab and held up 7,000 orders. Oh my gosh. For Black Friday. And the vitriol, the hate, the upset from the customer was horrific. And all I did was apologize for about four months and send them free 7,000 people free stuff. Oh my gosh. So when you said that it wasn't going to arrive on time, I was like, oh, I know that. I know that feeling well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one because you you feel like everyone else is just watching you and you don't want to disappoint anyone and you're trying to make everyone happy. And that's all of your customers plus everyone else watching. And when you feel like you failed at making them happy and meeting their needs, I mean, there's honestly like, oh gosh, not a lot of worse feelings than that. Oh, I know. I know. It's like, you never want to disappoint people that have given you their money and and have faith in you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I love to ask this question to all my guests. Um, what is one thing we'd be surprised to know about you? Oh, what would, (laughs) um, honestly, kind of on the, the heavier side, I think people are surprised to hear about my, um, journey with depression and anxiety because, you know, on my, my really good days, which are most days, I am definitely a glass half full type of person. That is my personality. I was born just a naturally happy person and optimistic. And so, you know, when I talk about kind of the darker days and and how that's affected me since I was, you know, 19 years old, I think there's a lot of people that are surprised. I think a lot of people too are surprised that I played basketball in high school and that I wasn't a cheerleader. For some reason, that one always shocks people. I love that. My son, my son's getting into basketball in a big way. So I love that. I love that you play that. Yes, it's the best. I love it. Still do. Um, so my last question for you is if you could pass on a piece of advice, whether you learned it, you earned it, or someone gave it to you and you applied it and it worked, what would that be? Um, I think one of the biggest things is you really just have to believe in yourself. Even if there's just a little bit of that belief and you're passionate about something, don't hold back, just go for it. And with that, don't let a fail stop you from trying again. I think you know, we, we feel like, oh, I wasn't good at it the first time or the second time. It's not meant to be. And oh man, that is not the truth. The truth is keep trying. If you love it and it's something you love doing, keep trying and make it work. And, you know, if you've got to reevaluate and change the path that you're on to make it work, um, you can do that. There are so many options, but I always love when people say fail is the first attempt in learning and you can go that path over and over again. And I just love the idea of, how failures are a learning tool and an opportunity for us to grow. And if we look at them as a growth opportunity, we can be so much more optimistic for our future. And I think it provides so much more hope for us in our journeys that failure doesn't mean that we're not capable or we're not worthy and that we can't do something. Failure means that we have the opportunity to learn and grow and we shouldn't give up because there's opportunity, you know, the next day, like the sun rises every day, there's new opportunities every single day. So believe in yourself and just truly go for it and try it. I love that you say that because you know, again, not to keep saying, well, in my book, but in my book, 
I, I talk about sometimes you win, sometimes you learn and how every time you fail, do you reframe it as a, what did I learn from this? How can I get better? And so I love that you shared that because it's, it's so true. And we need to reframe this idea of this stigma around failure. So thank you for sharing that. Well, thanks. And I love that you talk about it in your book too. I think it's so important. And we didn't used to hear about successes like that. I think it was, wow, how did that person become so successful? But I think with social media and more people opening up about their journeys and their experiences, we're realizing that all these successful business women and men failed a lot before they became successful. And I think the more that we can hear that from each other, the more encouragement I think we can also feel and, and strength that we can provide each other. A hundred percent. Agreed. That's why I, I talk loud and proud about all my failures just because then other yeah. people go, oh shit, this is going to happen yeah. to me. Okay. Having her yeah. happen to me. Awesome. Well, thank you. And where can people follow you, find you and support you? Oh, thanks. Um, cake by Courtney on Instagram, cakebycourtney.com. And I've got a podcast beyond the cake and a shop page, which is just shop.cakebycourtney.com with all my products. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rebecca. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again, and you will hear from me next week.